This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, here with my guy Spencer. And Spencer, we've got a special occasion on our hands tonight. It's award season, baby. It is a white button-up shirt bow tie affair tonight, my friend. We're on the red carpet amongst the (laughs) stars for the Fish and Fries award special, my friend. But uh, before we get too far into that. The inaugural inaugural Fish and Fries. First time. But uh, before we get into that, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. We had some rain here today. It's been kind of a dreary day, but um, we're wrapping up this Premier League season, headed into silly season, Chelsea's most dominant time of the year. So all looking up for me, uh, I know somebody with a particularly big game this weekend. Yeah, the the stress might be <laughs> off for... For you and Chelsea is like getting into silly season. Silly oh. season still feels far away for me because uh, big game this weekend, but it's uh, it's very serious season. <laughs> yeah, it's serious season still, but we'll get more into that later on uh, in the pod. Look a little bit ahead to this Champions League final against uh, between Inter and City this weekend. But later in the pod, we'll punt on that for now because uh, – the stars are filing in, Andrew. Everybody's finding their seats. It looks like the hors d'oeuvres table's just been picked apart, and oh the gosh. bartender looks absolutely flustered, just throwing around drinks left and right. So uh, before the people get too rambunctious with us, we might need to move this show along. Oh, abs- absolutely. Uh, we've got eight fantastic awards for you guys tonight and a team of the season. So stick around to the end if you want to hear that. Um, stick around to the end anyways. We've got awards, we've got previews, we've got we've got basically everything for you. But in our first award tonight, the unsung hero. Now, this is somebody who's maybe not gonna win player of the year, maybe not gonna take home a ton of trophies or the recognition, maybe not even win their club's player of the year, but this is just somebody who, to the illustrious Fish and Fries Academy, has kind of stuck out this season as somebody who deserves an extra award, right? Um, so our, our three nominees here, we have Nathan Ake of Manchester City. We've got Taiwo Iwanini from Nottingham Forest, and they're keeping them alive here in the second half of the season. And we've got Luke Shaw, left back, center back, extraordinaire for Manchester United. Um, any initial thoughts on the nominees here, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, I think we got three Really good nominees here from the Academy, Andrew. Um, you know, you look at Ake, really helped stabilize that city back line, especially after the Cancelo departure, like filled in at left back and stuff. A guy who I've never seen play left yep. back before this year. So, A, a guy really, you didn't even want until Chelsea tried to buy him for $40 million. A guy that I said, give me the had. $40 million. <laughs> I, this Earlier this year, I said, give me the $40 million and I will run to the bank happily. But thankfully, that uh, <laughs> did not come to pass for City because he was crucial for them. And kind of as you explained, like not the he, definitely not going to win his 
club's player of the year or anything, but really crucial no. to everything they did. So <laughs> strong. Uh, he, might not get, he might not even get invited to the banquet. Just, just as numbers thing, though, <laughs> you know, it's not, not fair to Ake, but, uh, um, to touch on Iwanini, he had, he's the striker from Nottingham forest, big player. Um, had a kind of a slow start to the season as Forrest did, but when it mattered most, in the final four games, he scored six goals to keep Forrest up. And now he's not going to win any golden boots. They weren't the prettiest goals always. But when it comes to saving your season, nobody had a better end of the year than our boy Taiwa Iwanini. Yeah, and down there, you go, you could almost argue that at the bottom, the stakes are even higher, at least financially, for these clubs than uh, at the top. So him getting those four goals, and those, or those six goals, I'm sorry, in those last four games, I mean, helping them clinch survival going into the last day even was absolutely massive. And then, you know, speaking of the top, you look at a guy like Luke Shaw, who long it wasn't long ago, Andrew, that this guy was like a meme online for soccer fans and football fans around the world of – this guy's terrible. He can't run. He looks funny, blah, blah, blah. But really quietly, like one of the better left backs probably in the entire league this season, I would say. What do you think? Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of that uh, come kind of comes down to is it was Luke Shaw playing so much better or did Ten Hag bring in sillier, funnier center backs to get memed? If you think about it, Harry Maguire is the very definition of a meme. That automatically puts Luke Shaw down the pecking order. And then how long did people spend this year making fun of Lissandro Martinez, especially in the offseason, about just how short he is and everything else, right? That's fantastic from Luke Shaw. So you talk about Ten Hag really pushing the right buttons in this team. Doing everything, man. Uh, but jokes aside, Luke Shaw had a very, very good season for United and has kind of cemented himself, I think, a lot of it in Ben Chilwell's absence as, like, England's best left back. Are we ready to hand out the Unsung Hero Award, Spencer. Anything else we'd like to say about the nominees before we uh, call one of them up here, and then we will immediately cut their lengthy exception speech. Yeah, I, I got nothing else, Andrew. I think just like the people, I'm dying to know who's got this. So, I uh, know. Let's put the aside on. The award goes to Taiwo Iwanini, one of my personal – I had to stand on the table with the Academy. I had to fight this one. Guy, guy had to fight to keep Forrest alive in a just an insane season for them. But for him to really come up big as their kind of big striker that they purchased before the season, slow start comes on at the end, really kept them alive. Really did the uh, the dirty work of getting Nottingham Forest a second consecutive Premier League season. Yeah, and I think as I touched on a little bit earlier in the preview of the three, like down there at the bottom, the stakes are almost higher than they are at the top at times. So survival for Forrest was absolutely massive, their number one goal this year. And he's, you know, they were they were up against it there at the end. They were right there in that big scrum of teams with like Everton and um, Leeds and Leicester, and they pulled themselves out and six goals in the last four, that's going to do that. So I, I like those six goals when you're going to like the time of the season, they almost count for double, I'd say, right? That's almost like he had 12 oh, goals absolutely. in the last couple of games. So rightfully so for Ty Woe, uh, congratulations on your award. I'm sure this is going right up on the mantle and the prime real estate of his trophy cabinet, but oh, yeah, absolutely. well done, Ty Woe. It's got to, got to. Moving on to our next award. Spencer, are you ready to walk us through it, buddy? 
Yeah, Andrew, and our next award, uh, this is one that's the winner possibly won't appreciate as much as we're going to the negative side of this. And uh, we're looking at our biggest flop of the season. This is actually a club award for the club that missed expectations by the most to us this year, Andrew. And um, I won't spoil anything. I've got one in mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. But let's let's meet the contenders really quick first. We've got mm-hmm. Andrew's boys, Chelsea Football Club. Oof. Yikes. Which we uh there's there's plenty to touch on there in a second, but let's meet the other two. We've also got Leicester City, obviously, who went down last week, so definitely a bit of a flop there. And in third, we've got Liverpool Football Club, who was Liverpool supposed to Football Club title contenders to be this season, we all thought. And they did not even make the top four, Andrew. Let's let's start with Liverpool, I guess. You like, yeah. We're seeing now, like, there were some bad results this year besides missing top four, right? I mean, it's it was a very uneven season for them. They had like the the seven nil against United and stuff, and they beat Bournemouth eight yeah. nil. But then, just they lost to Bournemouth in the reverse fixture. They they dropped points against a lot of teams you wouldn't expect, and they were nowhere near the title race the entire season. Um, really disappointing from Jurgen Klopp's men. What do you think? Yeah, um, nice nice for them to be in the top three of something this year. Um, I think the same can be said for Chelsea as well. Um, not the top three finish they were looking for. But, I mean, really, at the beginning of the season, I think it was easy. I mean, it's hard to remember that far back almost now, especially with the World Cup. But it was City or Liverpool who's going to take it, right, is where a lot of people's heads were at. It wasn't Art- – remember, like, Arteta didn't exist yet, Right. This whole Arsenal is the new team. Like, no, they were looking at being a, like maybe a year away. Like, ooh, watch out for scrappy Arsenal. But the big teams, City and Liverpool, should take care of business this year. And you're right. They had a couple big results, but they didn't get that far in Europe. They don't qualify for the Champions League next year. Like, that's a massive failure. Um, to be fair, it's not quite at the level of getting relegated or finishing outside the top 10. But definitely worth noting here. Um they're, they're absolutely a contender for biggest flop of the season. Right, and I think a large part of that plays into like expectations of, you know, fifth in a vacuum doesn't sound that bad, but when it was nailed on, you're going for the title after just coming up a point short the year before against City. Um, fifth, when you sprinkle that context in there, looks a lot worse. But uh, moving on to a relegated team who obviously finished eighth the year before, Leicester. Um, this is a team, you know, we've we talked about it a couple weeks ago. This is a team that helped me and you both fall in love with the sport, with their crazy <laughs> title run back in fifteen sixteen, and how the mighty have fallen, Andrew. Like they they almost become a top ten lock over the last few years. It seemed like, yeah, and they they held on to all their guys this year. It seemed like they didn't really. Besides Fafana, um, who Chelsea had stolen from them after a long well, hold, hold on, stolen paid Stop, eighty yes. million for. Okay, there's stolen. Like, McAllister is being stolen to Liverpool right now for like fifteen dollars <laughs> and a handshake. Right, I think Pep gets. I think Pep has to invite the uh, Brighton owners over for dinner or something. But uh, or uh, not Pep Klopp, but same thing. Um, but not stolen. But like we kind of talked about earlier with Leicester, like. They're so good at the recruitment, right, in the years past. They've always recharged, right? Oh, you sell off Conte and Mares. Here come two guys that are doing just as good a job. 
right? Maybe not the same level, but where we won the league last year, we're still competing. We're still in Europe, that kind of stuff. And just completely fell apart this year. And even when other teams, like we just talked about Nottingham Forest, make a late push, show no life and no fight. Right. Like, really, you got James Madison, a borderline, you know, a squad player for sure for England. You've got Harvey Barnes over there on the left. You've got the ghost of Jamie Vardy. Like, you've got all these guys that have done it at a big level. And just none of them put together a season, man. Like, truly. Just, just. <sighs> tough. Yeah, it's, tough uh, it's, it's something we've chatted about many times in this podcast, <laughs> and we don't have answers really as to why this happened it's just all very confusing and i i think they're more than warranted to be in the running for this award um but we had one more and that is your boys from london chelsea fc um, wouldn't be the first time we've talked about a disappointing season from chelsea on this podcast so um, I will keep it a little bit quick. The bullet points are spent $600 million trying to put this thing back together after uh, they fired Thomas Tuchel and hired Graham Potter and Roman Abramovich can no longer own a soccer team. So Todd Bowley comes in as a new owner. Um, not a list of excuses, more a list of um, self injuries that they've inflicted on themselves outside of, Maybe the Abramovich thing, because you can't really control who owns the team, um, except for when you can. And uh, the, the word, I, I think just the definition of the word world flop. Uh, help me out here, Spencer. I've, I've said my piece about Chelsea's season this year. Yeah, I mean, you just touched on it. 600 million spent. Um, I did some quick calculations, and my math tells me that's a lot of money. <laughs> um <laughs> all that amounted to not not to mention that's, that's like that's like one and a half players going to the Saudi league. That's a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. We'll touch on more of that later too. But um <laughs> 600 million spent and that was with a squad that's made a Champions League spot last year, right? Like that they they were starting with a, a solid base. Spent 600 million to finish 12th. 44 points oh. that was closer Rudiger, to Rudiger Christensen they were not, not, I, 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 okay. I actually have to sit this out cause I will keep trying just, to mitigate Chelsea's sure, circumstances. Keep, like I, I understand ooh, the defensiveness, oh, right? It, it's, oh. it's a tough year, my friend. I know, but, um, 600 million, you should have, I mean, Rudiger as world-class as he is. And, uh, you, you lost some big pieces that pieces. Absolutely. But 600 million, you'd like to think you'd replace that or at least to a somewhat close level and 12, 44 points closer to relegation in Europe. It's a, Really hard season in the blue part of London this year for them, but um, yeah, it's it's blue for sure. <laughs> like this madness, it, it's a bad time. Um, are we ready to announce the winner here, Spencer? Unless you've got anything more to uh, to pile on uh, the good boys in blue here. No, I've uh, I've got the envelope here from the academy, Andrew. We're gonna open it up Oof. and and oh, real so quick, I- thank you again to the Fish and Fries Academy. Excellent work this year. A lot of deliberation. We just want to make sure we thank you guys before. Yeah, I absolutely. Thank award night. We're big fans of the FF Academy, and um, yeah, I, I know they were really going at it over the last couple of weeks over these awards, and they've. Uh, I, I, look, I, I'd say right now they're two for two, Andrew, because I'm reading this envelope, and the winner of the biggest flop is Moonlight, obviously. Chelsea Football Club, Andrew. Chelsea Football <laughs> Club. Chelsea, we took it home. It's coming home, boys. Oh, Mason Mount's going to resign. It's going to be incredible. Um, 
Is it tough to throw? I mean, they absolutely earned it three or four times over. So um, as you've heard me bemoan on this podcast before, my, my actual question to you is, is it unfair to Lester to throw them up against the big boys like this? Oh, wait, Lester actually can compete with the big boys. That was their whole thing, except for now they won't be. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think Lester, look, I think Lester, I think all three of these teams are in their spot in um, the Academy's voting here, but I actually do have the voting in front of me, and this was a mm. landslide for Chelsea. Yeah, this was sorry. unanimous by the Academy, and um, look, for the things we just touched on, I can't I can't say I fault them. Um, it was a very tough season for Chelsea, right? It was just... Besides the results being poor, it was just so much noise on the outside. Too. It was a the loudest team in the whole world. If it wasn't for Tottenham, Sound- the, the Seattle Sounders are quieter and they're just about making noise. It's- that is, that is, I would say, <laughs> sorry for sorry for the ricochet shots for Tottenham. But like, if another team did deserve to be in this top three, it would absolutely be Tottenham Hotspur. But um, but they can't get top three. That's too close to a trophy. <laughs> they wouldn't want any part of it. Um, That's fair. More silverware for Chelsea. Another thing that they've never won. Hang, you know, it's like when we claim like the Club World Cup as being like the most special thing in the whole world. I don't see really. I don't, I'll be honest with you. This is the only team award. Everything else is, you know, an individual thing. So good on Chelsea for not getting caught up in who's going to be Player of the Year and are we going to have the Coach of the Year? No, we're going to give five different dudes a chance to be Coach of the Year. It's going to lose out for all of them. We're going to let a thousand dudes play for us. None of them are going to win player of the year. It's really incredibly selfless and fair. I, uh, I'm really proud of them. I'm, I'm having. Yeah, Andrew, I, like we said, I think deserving for Chelsea, uh, selfless by selfless by them, as you said, to take home this Consummate trophy and team. kind of, you know, just gre- really professional by Todd Bowley and the boys. But um, yeah. let's move on again. There, there's, to really, there's a really sad speech that starts with, we couldn't have done it without you, Frank Lampard. Um, Romelu Lukaku, you were instrumental in this entire thing. The list goes on. But I uh, I think we're ready to get into a more uh, functional and, and high-achieving mindset here for, uh, for the next award. Yeah, uh, we got Player of the Year up next, Andrew. And... Um... Why don't you take it away? Why don't you run us through our three nominees for this award? The nominees for player of the year are Erling Holland, the Norwegian wonder boy. Absolutely dominated this season. 36 goals, eight assists for a 7.54 rating, won the league, goes for the treble on Saturday, and broke the goal scoring record in his first year. We also have Another Norwegian wonder kid. Is this, this just, is this just the year of Norway? Martin Odegaard, the fulcrum of the resurgent Arsenal attack, the best attacking side they've seen in years, bringing a lot of glory back to a once-proud team, right? They've really shot themselves back up here. 15 goals, 7 assists from the midfield is like KDB-like numbers, and with a 7.29 match rating. He's headed in that way, man. I'm not ready to call him KDB, but a great year from the young, well, the elder Norwegian on the list. And finally, Marcus Rashford, England's wonder boy himself, 17 goals, five assists for about two months there. He was the best player in the world, I think, attacking off that left-hand side and playing up front. 7.08 goal or rating match rating. 
if I could talk here, uh, <laughs> won a cup and finished in the top four of like another resurgent campaign. So it kind of comes down to, is it going to be the man breaking all the records or is it going to be part of this new Premier League, the resurgent Arsenal and Man United? Spencer, where's your head at, buddy? Yeah, I mean, um, we've, we've spent the last several months praising Erling Holland, so I'll keep it a little short on him of just yep, f- fantastic first year, right? I mean, cheat code, video game, whatever you, whatever expression you want to use to quantify it, it was a remarkable season, one of the craziest seasons we've ever seen in the history of the league. Um, I think it'd be fair to say that if the committee did not choose him, it'd be a massive upset, but... You got to give Odegaard and Rashford flowers. Like you said, Rashford was probably the best player in the world for about two months there. He was just in fuego for United. Felt like he was scoring or contributing to at least two goals every single week, it felt like, for a while. Um, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Odegaard, every time you turned on Arsenal this season, uh, he was so noticeable. Like A guy like Saka got a lot of flowers and stuff attacking off the wing, and not to take anything away from him, but... uh, yeah, I, I would say what you said was pretty accurate of like he's he's getting into KDB territory of just being involved in everything good that his team does, just making passes that nobody else yeah. in the world sees. Um, and 15 goals from the midfield, as you kind of touched on um, from an attacking midfield position, that's just a ridiculous that's number. That's that's like 30 for a striker or something. So, yeah, yeah the uh... hell of a season for all three of these guys, Andrew. Yeah, one, one more thing on our, on Odegaard, you bring up a really good point, is for both Odegaard and Rashford, they stepped up when a main part of their attack went down or left the team, right? Rashford emerged after the whole Ronaldo saga kind of played itself out, which maybe a call for flop of the year, Cristiano Ronaldo in the Premier League, it was uh, supposed to solve all their problems. It did not. The academy didn't put him in the category, but, you know, maybe fourth on that list. And... Gabriel Jesus going down is what really put Odegaard in the spotlight because early on in the season, it was just like, oh, this machine is working so well, firing on all cylinders, everyone's scoring. But to maintain that through the height of uh, Gabriel Jesus's injury, I think maybe maybe the most important, impressive part of Odegaard's season. But uh, unless you've got anything else to say, man, I think we are ready for player of the year territory here. No, Andrew, I'm, Spencer, I'm dying. Like everybody else, I'm dying to know if the uh, the Academy got this one right, Andrew. So let me know. Spencer, if you would like to express this in song, you may. Andrew has handed me the envelope. <laughs> I am opening the envelope. <laughs> and this actually just says the winner is. And then it's all caps. Holland, Holland, Holland. <laughs> <laughs> to be him. Erling Holland. Um, of course it was. And uh, he had an incredible season. Um, that story is not even finished yet, right? He's got a Champions League final that Spencer is actively trying to downplay. Um, <laughs> trying to minimize a little bit in his head here. But... No, an instrument. I mean, they ran down Arsenal, right? They they came from behind, had a fantastic season, and Erling Holland unequivocally. Anybody without him having Player of the Year um, is insane. 
I, I will just say I, I disavow them as someone I like listening to for soccer. I don't even know who's done it yet, but I just want to put that out there. Yeah, Andrew, I've seen the take out there of trying to find a different answer than Erling Holland. And honestly, um, look, I mean, we live in a digital world now where you got to be boisterous and out there sometimes and people just, you know, making weird takes for the clicks. Um, I'm glad the Academy didn't go that route, Andrew. And they just, they picked the best player. The guy it had to be the guy that broke a what 20 something year old goal scoring record in this league and just came in his first year and said, yeah, to hell with that. I'm going to break it with like six matches to spare or something. If it might've even been more than that. So yeah. Even just to, even just to deliver on the promise of all his hype is incredible, right? Everybody wanted him this summer. There are some people, oh, he's too young. Who knows, right? He was doing it in, you know, the Bundesliga. It wouldn't be the first time somebody scored a bunch of goals in the Bundesliga. And then he just kicked the door down and stepped on everyone's throats all season. Just masterful from Erling Holland. Um, the only kind of bad news here as we transition to best transfer of the season is that, unfortunately, by winning player of the year, you are disqualified from being the best transfer of the year. Um, otherwise, I do believe it would be Erling Holland. Um, so, Spencer, if you want to get us into our next category, the best non-Holland transfer of the yeah. season. Yeah, Andrew, we're looking at best transfer, and we just the Academy came back to us and they said, hey, we want to spread this out. We don't want to make this just the Erling Holland show tonight. So we've just kind of put him in a god tier for and any other awards. Holland stood up and scored. Four goals on the academy, and they couldn't do anything about it. Like everyone else this year, he's unstoppable. Yeah, so uh, we've just kind of put <laughs> Holland, we've shelved Holland into a god tier for the rest of the night. Know that he probably would have won one, maybe two more awards tonight. But to, and yes, for the sake of um, competitiveness tonight, we have ruled him out in this best transfer category. And the Academy has still come up with three really deserving candidates here, Andrew. So uh, let's kind of dive into them here. Absolutely. First off, uh, from the defensive midfield, a guy that's won a ton at Real Madrid before he came to the Premier League, Casemiro, going to Manchester United for $60 million at 30 years old. We kind of questioned that before. We thought maybe this could blow up in United's face. And uh, we were unequivocally wrong about that, Andrew. He helped them win oh, the yeah. Carabao Cup, uh, <laughs> top four this year, four goals and three assists from a defensive midfield, not to mention being just an absolute force of getting through. Like, oh, my like gosh. I, I think back to that first City game, uh, City United Derby, Derby game, and um, it was right after Casemiro arrived. He didn't play in that first game. They lost 5 no, I think. And then the second game he plays, and they're able to – he got a 2-1 <laughs> victory. So – just an absolute force for them. A 7.17 rating over the year, and uh, just a fantastic season for him. Um, but he is absolutely not a slam dunk in this one, Andrew, because next we got Gabriel Jesus, another guy with, Ooh. speaking of City, City Connections. He came in from 45 million pounds from City. Um, I thought that was maybe a bit high of a price tag, but again, I'm an idiot, and I was wrong because he helped Arsenal compete for the league. <laughs> almost all the way to the wire uh got top four for them which is still a great season for them uh got hurt in the middle of the year but still managed to get 11 goals and six assists for 
17 gold contributions with a 7.42 rating, Andrew. So Gabby mm-hmm. kind of looked like the Gabby that City thought they were buying a few years ago and uh, really started oh, to come There's a lot of Gabby, Gabriel Jesus slander for a guy that played real well for you guys. Played so, quite good for City. Keep going. Never to this level. That's he really broke out this oh. year. This is a real coming out party. Yes, for this, sure, this is it. Yes, it, it it was his injury was like one of the saddest moments of the year, kind of. It's for sure. Um, and but, finally, sorry, not to distract you, keep going. Third, third nominee. Oh, we're all good. And the third nominee also has a great claim to this, I think, Andrew, because that's going to be Jao Paulina from Fulham, Andrew. Uh, the value of these three guys came in at only 20 million pounds. Uh, and he helped a promoted Fulham team finish in the top half of the table at 10th from a defensive midfield. Uh, chipped in three goals also, match rating just under seven. And he led the league in tackles by 47 tackles, Andrew. 47 more tackles, tackles than anybody else and, in the league. And And really, to me, it's like a comfortable 10th. Right. He's the main reason. Right. Mitrovic gets hurt this year. Right. Which is how you kind of like, oh, hey, Fulham got 10th before the season started. Right. If you're like, hey, Spencer, Fulham got 10th. How did that happen? I don't know. Did Mitrovic go nuclear? He did, but he also missed a lot of games. Right. This 20 million dollar Portuguese man came into the midfield and shored the whole thing up. Right. Being a solid, reliable player with. Part of, really, we should check his citizenship, make sure. He just works so well with the American duo back there of Reem and Jedi Robinson. Um, make sure he doesn't got a grandparent somewhere down the line that we couldn't get him into the squad. But for $20 million to be able to transform your midfield is beautiful. Um, and I think, you know, he's value, the, his value, I think, plays a lot in getting him on this list. You said a little bit overpriced. I thought Gabriel Jesus was underpriced, right? Because I think it's sometimes hard to separate the is is the person doing well at City. They're obviously an elite player, but how much of that is Pep and how much of that is them? Gabriel Jesus came out this year on fire, en fuego, as you said, and really just showed that he has a lot of claim to what was go- all the success at City as well. Because for a long time, he's been the easy to dismiss, like, well, anybody could tap the ball in if... KDB plays it out to Sterling or Foden and they cut it back for you. All you have to do is stand there, right? But he played he played really well. Um, it's the same kind of system. He's still standing there for cutbacks, but um, did really well. And then Casemiro just was – you talk about Polina solidifying the midfield. Man United had kind of a laughable midfield, right? We He's so good we don't even talk about McFred anymore. You remember how much fun that was for like three years, Spencer? To just be like, it. oh, the McFred Minfield, what are we going to do? Now it's like, uh, oh, I, I, I didn't know Casemiro was going to be here. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry. I was being rude to McFred. Um, and just, just a really good solidifying season and putting Man United back up at the top where they quote-unquote should be and able to challenge for a title next season. Something to build on. And while he was the most expensive on the list, I don't think anybody could argue the value of that move. Certainly, Andrew. Um, I, I th- like I said, I think him and Jesus both. It was two. I, I raised eyebrows at a little bit at the time, but like I said, I'm an idiot. I got those wrong. Uh, well worth their price tags for what they bought to their teams this year. And Polina, you look at 20 million. You get it. You get anybody that plays as good as he did for 20 million in this day and era. Um, 
that's just an absolute steal. So I, I think we got three guys that really have a claim at this. This is one of the tighter awards, I believe the Academy's told yes, me. But um, let's open up the envelope here and see what they decided on, my friend. And the winner of the Premier League's best transfer of the year, excluding Colin. <laughs> Casemiro. Casemiro takes it home for United. Uh, sorry to step on his foot. Casemiro will be upset with me for stepping on his toes a little bit there. But um, but what a move, man. I mean, the kind of like the easiest transfer, I think, of anybody in the Premier League this year to go, oh, I wish my team did that, regardless of who your team is, right? Like as as a team with, an, well, a guy who used to have N'Golo Kante and a, and a guy who has Rodri, right? And now John Stones, weirdly patrolling as central defensive midfielders, I don't usually look up and go, I wish we had spent $60 million on a central defender or a, a CDM. And after this season, I definitely do. Man. They were they were right. Great call by United and great season from Casemiro. Yeah, Casemiro, I mean, he, he was the second most expensive transfer ever over the age of 30. He, he was 30 when it happened. He wasn't like he's like 34 or something. But, you know, I, I think that he shows he's got at least some tread left on the tires. He was fantastic this year. I would expect him to be very good the next couple of years still, even if he does start to fall off after like 32, 33. United are going to get their money's worth at 60 million. Yeah, and just the locker room he's, presence. He's a leader. Winning. You want to have a championship pedigree? Can we get the dude who's been like bossing Real Madrid for the past decade? Like, it's like I, I didn't know guys could go from Real Madrid if they weren't, you know, like un- crazy underperforming. I thought that was the only way you got out of there. It was like, oh, Brahim Diaz is not really cutting it. Okay, we'll loan him to AC Milan and see if that'll work. I didn't know you could just like be bought. I didn't know they took money coming in for players. I had no idea. Yeah, but um, the fact that they decided to do that, it worked out well, maybe for both teams, honestly, because Real Madrid still had a hell of a season also. Would would Real Madrid have won, you know, like – Seriously, it's not often you get to pull one over on Real Madrid. Like, yeah. Real Madrid did not have their best season, and he's certainly working out with Casemiro. But for every Casemiro and great transfer seasons, Polinias, Gabriel Jesus's, there is the other end of the spectrum. And here we have the three nominees for worst transfer of the year. Of course... We could not have this list without a representative from Chelsea. The Chelsea representative is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, you may have recognized him from pouting on Chelsea sidelines this year or from being the dude on the Arsenal all or nothing who they got rid of and the team got better. Um, Chelsea thought to bring him in for $12 million, uh, from a completely struggling financially uh, Spotify team. Oh, I'm sorry. Barce- Barcelona. Barcelona. Um, <clears throat> Giving $12 million to uh, help their charity case. And he never made any sense. Uh, only featured in a handful of games. Um, four different managers actively hated him this year, which is impressive. I wonder what the record is. Um, you would think it would be like a Gio Reyna situation for the amount that he was like not getting playing time and starting. Um, but then he'd come in and he'd look like he hated soccer. So... Kind of a fun thing, not to editorialize on the guy that plays for Chelsea, but I do want to make sure um, 
maybe the worst $12 million I've ever seen spent. Just horrible. In a, in a team that spent $600 million, I pray every morning it would have been like, you know, 588 or whatever. I can't do the math off the top of my head here. But there are other nominees. We will move on to um, another. This is actually going to be three strikers here in the nominees. Big money move from Everton to Spurs. Um, $60 million for Richarlison. Um which you may be surprised if you're maybe you haven't joined us in a while. You're like, but you know, Spurs finished in the top half of the league and Brazil didn't do horrible at the world cup. Richarlison must have something to do with that. No, he did not. He had one goal and three assists this year in a, um, a $60 million move where it never really made any sense. And you thought maybe he could play with, Kane as kind of a second striker and like with Son or maybe he's going to play in the one the wing. No, there's just no plan for him. They just had 60 million left. They, you know, found him in an old pair of jeans and were like, let's go get Richarlison. And then they were like, Hey, do you want to do anything with them? And they were like, no. Speaking of players that did not play or do anything, the completely baffling move for Leeds in a, what ended up being a completely disastrous season <clears throat> But in January, I believe, right? Unless I'm getting that wrong, right? January move spent emptied the emptied the cash trove to try to stay up and make a push for another season of Premier League football. Go out and spend thirty five million dollars, club record, on Jorginho Ruder, a young, I think he's twenty years old, I believe, striker for Leeds. And you're like, oh, well, Leeds was a fun attacking side this season, right? Did he play up there with like William Nanto and Brendan Aronson and Rodrigo and Patrick Mever? No, no, he didn't. He had no goals and one assist and only started one match for relegated leads. Thoughts on this just completely exhausting group of strikers. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, three strikers that end up here, but um, like all kind of in different ways, I think, right? Because like you look at yeah, the Obama one. Like Obamiang, twelve million doesn't sound that bad in a vacuum. Um, like if you miss on a twelve million dollar player, normally not that bad. I think he's kind of getting hit for the just he's the personification of the bad money spent by Chelsea. Like they spent more money on people. He was just one that never made any sense, right? Like it was like this this isn't gonna work. Everybody knew it wasn't gonna work. They still did it. We all raised our eyebrows and like as much of an idiot as I said I was about the fees on the guys in the last category. I uh, not bragging because, like I said, I think everybody knew, but spot on on that one of like that was never going to work. Like you said, it looked like he hated football when he got out there. Um, just all around <laughs> a baffling move, and it played out just like that. Whereas, like you look at a Richarlison, a team like Tottenham who never like that. What's their mo? Tottenham's thing is they're always like right there around the top four, but they if never they could really just get over the hump. If they could just get over the hump, right? And if be- they could just get over the hump and so like close. we've complained like I know people have complained for years now about like Daniel Levy not spending money like not really going for that big move and for them to choose Richarlison like a guy like you, you have Harry Kane right you have one of the best strikers in the world you don't need a like that's that's where they allocated their sources it didn't make a ton of sense in like the same vein as is um Aubameyang excuse me but to really empty the bag and like do your 
regime defining move is to bring in a guy in a position you don't need. Like they were talking about him playing left back at one point this year, Andrew, like just to get him into the squad, like, and you get one goal the and Joe, three assists. Maybe next like, season's, uh, maybe next season's Joe Linton honorable mention of the year of just yeah. a guy playing a completely different position. We should remember that for next year. The Joe Linton award for the guy. What position is he playing? Jot that one down. We'll, uh, Look for look for that addition next year. That's that's what to pass great. that one on to the academy. Yeah, maybe sneak <laughs> that one in next year. But yeah, the Richarlison thing, man, just really baffling for Tottenham to really empty the bag there. And then speaking of emptying the bag, like at least a team like Tottenham has sixty million, right? Like that's not going to cripple a Tottenham team. Um, but thirty five million for a team like Leeds to spend it on a guy that doesn't score a goal for you. I mean, yeah, he came in January, but still no goals, only get one start out of him. And that's with Patrick Bamford, who couldn't score to save his life down the stretch no. this year as they were scrapping Patrick against Bamford relegation. still never scored. Jesus. Yeah, he's somewhere oh. not scoring right now. He's probably on a beach not scoring. That's my guess. Yeah, he's probably exactly what's going on. But <laughs> spend $35 million on Reuter and just get no goals, get relegated. Maybe the most financially, I, I would actually say – it's probably for sure the most financially disastrous of the three. Um, but I don't Even know. If it does doesn't that have con- the biggest price tag. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Does that constitute the worst of the three, though, Andrew? That's in the committee's hands, not in mine. So um, I guess we're going to have to find out. The Academy, the Academy has spoken. Um, I've got the envelope here, and I will open it up. And congratulations, the first ever silverware for top. Richarlison, you are the worst transfer of the season. Congratulations, guys. You did it. Um, they've even hired a manager this week. They're they're on fire. Watch out next season, boys. They're going to be crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I with this award, I really think it's that price tag, man. $60 million is, like, enough to screw over the team, right? And if Richarlison – if you spend $60 million on Richarlison to screw over the team – then what's the midfield and the defense going to do? They're the ones who screw over Spurs. So it just didn't work at all, and it's a baffling move. And, like, even when it happened, it was like, okay, does this mean the Spurs are losing Harry Kane? Because Richarlison was a very good player for Everton. Like, he's the starting nine for Brazil. That's a player you usually want. But, no, worst, worst transfer of the year. Um, Aubameyang saved by the $12 million price tag. That's not even half of a Danny Drinkwater in the Chelsea uh, complex there. Um, and then Jorginho Ruder, you're right. I think um, this is maybe maybe the award where it might have the, maybe look at the Academy and go next year, this time next year, like our leads. Okay. Like that 35 million they spent on Ruder and he didn't even play for them. And you know, you don't even know if that guy's going to be on the team next year. It's just tough, but no, congratulations to Richarlison Spurs. Uh, unless you got anything else, Spencer, I think, I think we need to get a little bit more, a little happier, a little, a little more upbeat, a little more good news here in the next couple of awards. Yeah. We're going to go to some good ones in a second, just a thought on Richarlison. I, I do want to say that like, I, I'm with you kind of what you touched on. Like this is a guy who starts for Brazil, right? I think there's a player there. And I think this is like, say Harry Kane does leave this summer. That's, you know, speculation. But as somebody who experienced that firsthand go south, I'll believe it when I see it. But 
this could still work out for Tottenham. It's just the whole decision, like when we looked at the midfield and like you knew there were holes in the midfield, like to blow their bag there seems crazy. Um, could work out yeah, in the long look run. Look at the but, defense. I mean, yeah. the Tottenham should have spent money last year, which again, it's easy with the gift of hindsight, right? But another attacking option was not at the top of, I think, anybody's list. Yeah, so just to just to give Rich Arlison a little bit of a happy thought, I think a lot of this is circumstantial. Um, he does have to be better, but tough circumstances for him. But yeah. hey, like you said, this is a trophy for Tottenham, so this is uh, rarefied air we're in right now. Yeah, and and the fact that Enzo Fernandez played well enough to keep himself off this list is an incredible feat. Because I I when when that went down, I was real worried it was going to be a Chelsea queen clean sweep of the nominees. But uh, no, guy played well, and uh, at least he played, which is what we have going on here. But um, let's get us to the next one, Spence. Yeah, I almost think for Chelsea they were saved by the fact that they had just the sheer number of questionable transfers it was like <laughs> tough for the committee to really hone in on one i imagine but um it's it's the idea it's the idea of if you send an embarrassing text to somebody you should send 20 more texts and maybe they just won't read all of them right if you <laughs> if i had texted spencer if i had three in the morning text spencer i love you and i don't want to tell spencer that i love him i maybe send 18 more texts right away just all in a row about something else to try to distract him so Chelsea, you get lost in the sauce a little bit there. Aubameyang could not escape the committee's grasp or sight, but Richarlison takes home the prize. Yeah, but um, as you said, let's move on to more happier things, Andrew. Let's go to young player of the season here. Um, And we got three just really deserving nominees here, Andrew. Um, Three guys that were just crucial to their team's success this year, all uh, 21 years of age or younger. Um. We did originally think, just to put it out there, we, we went for 21 was our cutoff point to start the year. You had to be 21. Holland was actually 22, so this is not a god tier for Holland. He would not have qualified. Um, I don't think that the Norse god is crying many tears But over he that, would so. have won it. But he would have yeah. won it. If, yes. if, if we decided it was 22, if we had shoehorned somebody in to player of the year, we would have been like, yeah, 22 is our dividing line to give Holland something, but... This podcast has integrity, and the Academy would not see it. Certainly, but we have three very deserving candidates, Andrew. Let's uh, run through them. We got start things off. Moises Caicedo of Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, just an absolute crucial part of their team in the midfield. Um, really just the base of that spine for that team. Started 34 of their 38 games. Uh Rating on the year just under seven was just really one of the first names on the team sheet for first Graham Potter and then Roberto De Zerbi as the year went on and helped them get into Europe for the first time in the club's history. So absolutely fantastic season for Caicedo. He's first of our three. Um, next up, another guy, fantastic season, a little more high profile, and that's Bakayi Osaka with 14 goals. 11 assists, that's 25 goal contributions this year, Andrew, and a 7.4 match rating across the year. Started 37 to 38 games for Arsenal. Obviously, they finished second, and they went almost all the way down to the wire on that title race with City and what was their best season in probably a decade. And our third nominee, uh, 
his opposite of him on the other flank, Gabrielle Martinelli, Andrew. 15 goals, 5 assists, 7.25 match rating. 34 of 38 games he started for them. He had that knock later in the year, and he did fall off a little down the stretch. But at the beginning of the year, he was absolutely electric on that left wing for Arsenal. Um, seemed like he was in the middle. Him and Jesus and Odegaard and, and soccer, for that matter, all four of them were just out there scoring and linking up for just fun. Balling. Just ball, like seriously, just balling. You're just like, oh, that team is gross. Um, is it really upsetting to me as a Chelsea fan to have? both of the wings um be for arsenal yeah yeah it is um and and truly they're both so fun to watch right Saka bring cutting in on his left martinelli just pace running coming at you they both can do so much more right like 14 goals and 11 assists for Saka. like i'm almost more impressed by the 11 assists just because he is a player that has such an eye for goal like that um to be part of that team oriented attack that they have there. And then Martinelli is just ruthless. And I think that brings all this to say, like Moises Caicedo was one of the players I was most impressed with this year. He filled in at right back when they needed to, he had two different managers do two different, very, or two very different kind of styles. And he was the rock for both of them. He was an absolute rock in a crazy year for Brighton. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think all three of these guys have a very good case for this award, Andrew. Um, I know that the Academy brought it to my attention that they struggled a bit with this one, but um, shall we open up Mm -hmm. the envelope and see what they decided on? Yes, absolutely. Andrew, I break the seal here. The winner of your Fish and Fries Young Player of the Season is Bakayo Saka of Arsenal. Andrew. Oh. It's actually not as close as we just said. Clean Sweep took all the first place votes in this one, Andrew. I don't think that's a disrespect to the other two guys. It's just a no, I, statement this is, of how I think, good Saka was this year. Yeah, this is, this is I think, a huge category for it's an honor to be nominated, right? We don't know where these guys' careers will go from here. If they all three stay at Arsenal or go to Arsenal, as is being rumored, I'm going to be very upset about it, um, as Caicedo has been rumored there in a move from Brighton and Hove Albion. But this season has been such a great snapshot of what they could do in the right situation. And that's, I think, the other part of it is they're all just, all three of them are in great situations all year. Yeah, and all, all three of them, I mean, look, relative to what we thought they were going to be, not that we thought either team was going to be terrible, but right, we thought Arsenal was a fringe top four team um, like they had been last year. Uh, obviously, they exceeded that, like really going head to head with City for most of the year. They, they the won title. the league for like eight months, right? Yeah. They, they had the league wrapped up from about eight months, including the World Cup, man. It's... Yeah, for sure. And then Brighton, like we thought they might be a – Comfortable, like we didn't have them in the relegation or anything. They were probably comfortably mid-table, but to get into Europe for the first time in their club's history, especially after being gutted by Chelsea earlier in the year with them stealing their manager and a couple of players and stuff. Uh, so I say it was just fantastic for them, but uh, that this is uh, Bakario Saka's flowers here uh, to knock it off on a tangent. Absolutely. Um, just uh, like I said, I think for the other two, this isn't a 
disrespect either of them. It's just a how emphatically no. uh, look. Bakayo Saka could could have been in running. He didn't make the top three for player of the season. He could have very easily been there though. I, he was on, I believe, the ballots for the entire committee and their top five for that. So he was very close to mm-hmm. being in the running for that award. So. It is age to do that, especially when you consider the expectations and everything that are bestowed upon him to exceed right. those. He, just... missed a, he missed a huge penalty, right? Like the fact that if for England, right in the in the European final, right against Italy, I think he missed the deciding penalty. Did he not? To have that guy rebound at this level is kind of almost like an unheard story, right? If this was like if that was the start of the decline to a once promising English player. You know, I don't think any of us would have batted an eye at that, but guys really rebounded and and kept improving. And <laughs> Arsenal are going to be tough to deal with for the next couple of years with those guys on either wing. Yeah, certainly, Andrew. And um, they're also going to be tough to deal with with the man they have in charge, who I believe is nominated for the best mm-hmm. award, which is going to be manager of the year Andrew we've actually the committee told us they had such a hard time with this they've split this into two categories Andrew we've got a manager of the year for the big six and we've got a manager of the year for the rest of the league but uh let's do the big six one first and yeah uh, how about you run us through our nominees absolutely um and part of the reason for the academy split is that basically those two jobs are completely different the idea of being in the big six, our goal is to win the league and challenge and get into Europe is like the minimum versus the rest of the league dreams of surviving relegation like or, you know, sets a goal of let's not get relegated before the season starts and like dreams, distant dreams of Europe. Right. So when you set out with two different um, expectations to start the year, I think it's only fair. You kind of grade those guys against the, you get, you grade those two different tiers against each other. So Love what the Academy did here. In the managerial and the manager of the year. Can't talk today. Sorry. Holy cow. Arsenal's manager, Miguel Arteta. Pep Guardiola and Eric Ten Hag are your nominees. Um, Arteta bringing Arsenal 15 points higher than they were last year, going from missing the top four to being a serious title contender having the league wrapped up for the majority of the year until Pep Guardiola's team came on and won it from him in the end. Um, I think you can make an argument maybe this is Pep's most difficult year where they had to kind of overcome more and like have a late title chase in the season where they were not the front runner, but instead had to come from behind, integrated Erling Holland and survived Jao Cancelo just blowing up and not making it a bigger problem. <coughs> Excuse me. And finally, Eric Ten Hag, a guy who took a lot of flack earlier in the year, but led Man United on a 17-point improvement to clinch top four, dealt with uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo drama, um, especially in retrospect, like a champ, like a like a monster, like just did so, so well with it, and uh, won a cup too, brought home silverware. Yeah, Andrew, um, three managers who really had fantastic seasons and – I, I think that's, you know, you look at what Arteta did, obviously, that's very apparent. Look, bo- bottling the league aside at the end, a fantastic season for Arsenal, right? Yeah, like, great season. I understand mm-hmm. that everything's not played in a vacuum and it's, you know, circumstantial and everything, but 
to improve 15 points and to finish second. I think if you told any Arsenal fan before the year they could finish second, uh, they, they would take be, it. Yep. They would have been thrilled to be there. They would have thought they would have fil- finished 20 points behind City. It'd be like a few years ago when City won by like 20 points and nobody was close or something. Um, but they were there almost into the very end. Um, Pep, I think what you tagged on, like, Kind of a sneaky, difficult season for City, kind of working out how to play with a true striker as he hasn't done that the last few years and a little bit of drama, more drama than typically if you would associate with a City team that he had to deal with. And Ten Hag, um, look, United had a hell of a season. They won a trophy. They got to be happy about that. Back in the top four, as you alluded to, the way he dealt with the Ronaldo drama and retrospect was you know, absolutely spot on. And that was a really big elephant in the room at the time for them. Um, and if you do remember back to the beginning of the season, remember they lost to Brighton at home. And that's before we knew Brighton was. <laughs> yeah, that's, Brighton was that's a year. Graham Potter Brighton. That's right. a Graham Potter Brighton. That's not even the Deserby Brighton. Right. They, but yeah, they opened with that loss to Brighton and we thought that was a disaster. Then they went to Brentford who we didn't know how good they were going to be this year either, but they lost <laughs> 4-0 to Brentford and the sky was falling and we thought maybe yeah. Tenag's seat was already hot. So and, much fun. Um, <laughs> that Brentford game was so much fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right to kind of pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and get a lot out of good young players too, kind of bringing, uh, Sancho back into the mix after he had all this hype as an England English guy coming back home from Dortmund and really flopped the year before, right? Brought him along slowly, kind of got him going. Garnacho's been very good for them. A lot of really good things to say about what Ten Hag has done this year. Um, are you ready to find out who wins Manager of the Year for the Big Six for the top six? Yes. Give it to me, Andrew. Who, who's our Who's our big fish? And the winner is. Pep Guardiola, a man going for a treble this week. Um, split the vote in the academy. A lot to be said for what Arteta's done this year. Um, and I, I think Arteta had almost a majority of the votes. Definitely the most consistent finisher on everyone's list. But the uh, the job Pep has done and has the opportunity to do, I think is just too, too big to ignore. Yeah, Andrew. Um from my understanding of communicating with the Academy, that was a, a big reason why this was split was because uh, some people in the Academy gave a lot of flowers to people near the bottom. And uh, we, we really wanted to highlight a couple guys because manager of the season was yes. just extremely tight. Like there's going to be guys that aren't yeah, even. I, I don't, I don't know that we'll ever have a split award for manager of the season again. Right. But it this, was year, just, this year was absolutely necessary. It was it was insane. it was so hard. There's gonna be guys that missed the second one that should be in there. I'll we'll throw out some honorable mentions to some people that didn't get into the top three, but to take nothing away from Pep, I do think this was probably his best managerial performance since he's come to Manchester City, just to really have to change a lot of his fundamentals, right? Like he had to integrate Holland. Uh, I mean, for God's sakes, they they were playing with no wingbacks for most of the year. They have been at least of late. That's been what they found is like to just put four center backs out there a lot of the time. And he's really had to make the pieces fit a little more than normal. Um, it hasn't been as easy as it is has in years past. He had to track down. Squad management's been incredible. Yeah. Like and, you, you never hear any, like, I mean, as a Chelsea fan, you never even hear people complaining. Jao Cancelo, one of their most talented 
defender, right? I don't think that's a stretch to say. You can maybe make some arguments there, but their most talented defender blows up, wants out of there, just quietly loan to Bayern Munich and he won't be coming back. Oh, it's just all handled like adults and doesn't cause a bigger problem. Cool. That must be nice. So even extra props to uh, to that kind of thing. Not the CR7 drama, but, you know, not a not drama-free season at City, which I think is usually kind of how it feels. It's like, yeah, that's a big blue machine over there, man. It just keeps turning out players. Yeah, and I think, you know, you could call it really close between this three. I think the really the emphatic, like the exc- exclamation point you kind of put on this was over the past week, and which we'll get into a little later of – you know, at the very least, securing a double for his team, winning a cup over Ten Hogs, uh, Manchester United. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the whole picture, it was hard not to give it to Pep if you're awarding one for any of the yeah. big guys here. Yep. If yeah, but real quick before we move on, I mean, the race for for the title was over, right? like two months before the season ended, and by the time it was for the rest of the season, it was already sewn up. You guys had like two extra weeks of hey, this is nice. We've already won the league. That's how quickly you guys turned it around. And I, I'll i say this. I think Pep might be the best coach. And I'm not going to specify a sport or a position. I think over the last five years, Pep is the best coach, regardless of sport. You'll get no I pushback. That, from I, don't, I don't know. That, I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that there's an argument. Um but that is a realization I came to this week as I was looking at, uh, you know, helping the academy see where he's been the last couple of years and if this was his most difficult season. And, yeah, that's a realization I've come to. But there's a whole other world out there of managers and their achievements for their teams this season. Spencer, take us there. Yeah, this is our manager of the year for the not big six teams. Um and like I said, there's I'm going to throw out a couple honorable mentions just off the rip that did not make this. Yep. Um, Unai this Emery, was the hardest Aston, category. It's so hard. Unai Emery at Aston Villa got them into Europe. Um, they were a dumpster fire when he got there. They were in the relegation <laughs> race, and they were fantastic. Frank Lampard <laughs> almost got two teams relegated this year. So hard to do. That's a Frank joke. Lampard will not be spoken upon in this in this positive light. This, this, <laughs> this is the start of our Frank Lampard Lampard embargo. He will not be brought up again until he is somehow the head coach of another team. Yeah, enjoy. And if it's um, Chelsea again, I'll cry. Yeah, enjoy Forest Green <laughs> Rovers, Frank. Um, Have some respect for Forest Green. Come on, they want to win. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Unai Emery, fantastic. Steve Cooper, I think that he's got a real shout at this. He didn't make the Academy's top three, though, because, uh, look, Nottingham Forest, uh, like, on light, right? Like, uh, they did a di- they did a diet Chelsea of they, like, bought in a billion people, and he managed a to keep them dudes, surviving. Spent so, a ton of money, stretched themselves in every way, and he held it together. Chelsea, in the time that he held it all together and just made a push, Chelsea had three different managers. So, yeah. 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 So he definitely deserves a shout. Um, Marco Silva at Fulham obviously took a promoted team into the top 10. Thomas Frank at Brentford. They were fantastic yeah. this year. Um, but let's get into the the guys who actually did make this shortlist, Andrew, because they all deserve to be here as well, I think. Yes, um, sir. Top three and- nominees. We're going to start with the man at Brighton, 
took over a, I don't want to say dumpster fire. They had a nice core there, but you know, after I said earlier, they'd been ransacked kind of by Chelsea, had their manager stolen, a couple of yeah. players. Roberto a tough situation to be sure. Yeah. yeah. Roberto Deserbi came in, and what did he do? He took them into European football, Andrew. They're in the Europa League, finished sixth. Um, after a tumultuous period like that, just fantastic work by the man who came from Shkatar Donetsk. Um, just fantastic. Uh, next up, we got Eddie Howe of Newcastle. Look, I think Newcastle's quite possibly cemented themselves as making this going forward a big seven now, not a big six. Um, but for this year, broke kind of into that new stratosphere with Newcastle, got them into the Champions League for next season. Um, I think we all think that they there's going to be a lot of investment in this team at some point from their Saudi ownership. But this year, I, I know they bought in a couple guys, Andrew, but like, he turned Joel Linton into a world-class midfielder, right? Like, he's got guys. Midfielder, like, not his position. Yeah. Dan Burns playing left back. Yeah, Dan he's Burns. Why does that work? Like, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they bought in some guys, right? Like, Isak, Sven Botman come to mind, but uh, Bruno Guimaraes. Um, obviously, very good players. There, there's been investment there, but I think he's done a lot with not – the level of investment of a big six side quite yet. And um, they also had the fewest losses in the league um, joined at least with city. So mm-hmm. fantastic yep. year for Edward Howe. And finally the third nominee, Gary O'Neill, Andrew. Um, remember when Bournemouth lost eight nil to Liverpool and Scott Parker Thank came you. out afterwards. And he basically said that the team's not good enough. And they're probably going to get some beatings <laughs> this year. And Bournemouth ticked him to the curb, bought in Gary O'Neill as a caretaker at the time while they looked for somebody else. And he never gave up that role, Andrew. Just several no, shock results over the season. Um, they beat Liverpool in the return fixture, 1 0 at home. Survived with Day's Despair, which for Bournemouth, this was a team that everybody kind of had as their relic. Yeah, this was everybody's relegation favorite, I think. This was like the Vegas relegation favorite coming into the year. And yeah, they stayed up with matches to spare, Andrew. So I think for Gary O'Neill, just an absolutely fantastic job when you look at the expectations there and the situation he was put in. So like we said, this is probably the closest category of the night, Andrew. And um, I think all three of these guys, plus like the three or four guys I named before those honorable mentions, they all have a stake at this. But uh, what do you have? Any thoughts on any of these guys? Yeah, um, really, really a big shout out to even like uh, like Sean Deitch, right? Doesn't even get in the the argument, but keeps Everton alive, right? Keeps that club moving. But if that's the guy we don't even have time to mention, what a group, right? Like, and that's partly why we split it this way too, or the academy did, is just so many people that deserve recognition here. Um, I really love whenever a caretaker manager just becomes the dude, right? To come in with that ex- the expectation of like, hey man, if you could just get us through like a couple weeks here while we kind of figure stuff out. We thought Scott Parker was good at his job, and we didn't know how that we that we're bad at our jobs too. And then just to be like, oh, Gary's got this. He's got you know no good players on the whole team, but he's just gonna be fine. He's just gonna put this team like playing hard and organized and. Really just love to see that Roberto De Zerbi taking over 
in a less difficult situation just because the cupboard was not very bare, right? It's not exactly Gary O'Neill looking around going, who are these guys, right? Um, Brighton and Hove Albion are arguably, I think you can say, the story of the season after you talk about the title race and the Zerby's dynamic football and amazing, you know, young South American players, right? Caicedo is up for a huge move. And CISO, a dude who barely ever played, is all of a sudden in the last three games scores like two bangers and, ha- and, and grabs goal of the season, right? Like a dynamic manager. And then Eddie Howe just building this Newcastle program, right? This is the team I think that feels most like a a program, right? Where we talk about maybe the big seven next year. Granted that like, you know, Chelsea doesn't completely drop out. <laughs> Seems equally likely. But um, who did the Academy seek to uh, recognize here, Spencer? Uh, like I said, the Academy said this was the toughest vote of the night, Andrew. Hence why we say this is the last award outside of our team of the season. And um, I'm very interested to see what direction they've gone. Uh, let's open up the envelope. Open it up. Edge of my seat. Andrew, your winner of the oh. manager of the year for not the big six is Edward how of Newcastle wow. just beautiful looks, vote. Just looks like a very close vote here Andrew but yeah he takes it home old Eddie and and I think really talk about you know can Brighton build off of this this season the success I think Newcastle very obviously will build off this right like Newcastle's the team I think everybody's looking over their shoulder and a lot most teams are looking up at going this is a bad situation for us and that's kind of the ultimate compliment, right? Is to look at somebody else's team and go, oh, they're set up so well. They're organized. They gave up. I think they gave up the less, the least amount of goals in the league, right? I know they had the least losses, but um, just a just a beautiful season from Eddie Howe, right? Looks completely repeatable. Was Doesn't at all seem like a flash in the pan. If he's not on this list again next year, I would be shocked. Yeah, and I think to your point, right, like, I kind of touched on it. I don't think the full amount of investment's been there yet. And I think part of that's going to be, you know, they didn't have Champions League football and to draw guys to Newcastle would have been difficult. Like now they have that mm-hmm. poll of, hey, come here. We'll pay you well. You can play in the Champions League. You'll be on a, like the biggest stage in the world. So that's not even a factor. Um, you do wonder, I guess, if you're going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Is this like the – like? Remember, for, I mean, was remember, Roberto more deserving? No, no. I was gonna say, like, you know, I like, just want to make a pun on his name. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, Frank Lampard, like after when he went to that Whoa. second season with Chelsea, and he like got all the money, and he was able to go buy some guys and stuff, and they didn't work out. That's like mm-hmm. the one thing maybe say of like maybe when Eddie Howe's really given a full, you know, arsenal of recruits to bring in like make sure he gets the right guys but uh, hey everything he's done right yeah, so I mean, far has been spot on so I, I've, been, I've been saying this all year though the way they're building this team though is from the bottom up right there haven't been any really splash signings right even alexander isak i think was their club record signing and you know they've moved him from striker to the wing they're playing him in all different positions right they're they're treating him just like another player that they care about developmentally Right, they have the they're pulling all the right buttons, right? Bruno Guimaraes has been a revelation in midfield, um, and even just things like 
They bring in Chris Wood two years ago, right? Last year. And he plays really well for them and they move him on to another club, made some money, just like solid investments, solid moving and absolutely the definition of solid play in the field from Eddie Howe's team. Yeah. And um, as you alluded to, I think there's a lot of people either looking up or looking behind, like looking over their shoulder and being pretty weary of Newcastle's ascension here. So hell of a season for them, hell of a season for Eddie Howe. And I, I think that's, you know, very close vote, but I can't say I'm going to complain at all with the result here, Andrew. I think he's deserving. No. And, and speaking of deserving, um, I think it's time to get into our uh, team of the season. Now, the Fish and Fries podcast, the Academy, has gone about this in a little bit of a different way to, again, limit ourselves, make sure everyone is talked about in this 20-man squad, only one person per team is allowed. Um, and I think the best way to illustrate this is to start with the attack. Um, up front, I, I think I'll do the. I'll start with the attack here. We have Erling Holland, Harry Kane, and Marcus Rashford. Now, those three are both, I think, kind of unequivocally deserving of being in anybody's team of the year. But it does mean uh, Bruno Fernandes will not be in this team of the year. Our best transfer, non-Erling Holland, Casemiro, will not be in this team um, team of the season. Kevin De Bruyne. And unfortunately, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, John Stones, I think, would have a great call at center back. Um, okay, Gundogan, Bernardo so, like To keep it from just being a list of City players plus Bakayo Saka plus Harry Kane, right? The beauty of this league this season has been that the whole league has been incredible. And I think that's like, even just introducing the attack like that is the best way to kind of sum up how we want to do this. Yeah. And you know, it's the, the fish and fries Academy. They're for the people, Andrew, right? Like we don't want to just be a, like you said, a city and arsenal combined 11 with a couple sprinkles here and there from other teams. So Really just get everybody in there. Um, I think that attack, that's that's putting shivers in anybody that ever reads that attack. <laughs> out of it. And uh, um, it gets even worse when you move back to the midfield. I'm looking even more weary, Andrew, because our three in the midfield are going to be of Arsenal Football Club, Martin Odegaard from West Ham United, Declan Rice, and Europa Conference League champion. Europa Conference League champion, very drunk man in Prague. I saw some videos of him going by <laughs> the other night. Oh, yeah. Uh, guy was having a time. And the guy we heard of earlier in this pod, Andrew, in this award show, Jao Paulinha is going to be Ooh. at the pivot of this midfield, just tackling everything in sight for us, Andrew. But uh, what do you think of that midfield seven three? More times nobody else. <laughs> I, I, love the th- I love the midfield three. Um I'm almost kind of, and I, we haven't really talked about this before, but I'm almost kind of imagining it as like a like a four two 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 kind of right, with you have like Rice and Paulinia staying back, Odegaard getting up more into attack, and then I think actually Holland is or uh, not, not Holland, I'm sorry, Kane is so good at stepping into midfield and hitting a ball to like Human Song or somebody like that. The idea of him like getting a ball in the midfield. While you have Holland streaking up the left, the right side, and Marcus Rashford streaking up the right side, is a paralyzing thought. I do not enjoy. It sounds like playing against like the worst kid ever on FIFA. Um, <laughs> like that's kind of how I was imagining it, and I didn't think that all until we started saying it. I was like, oh my gosh! Like 
a four-two-two-two, maybe like a like a really gross diamond midfield with Rice and Paulino. You just can't get through it all. Like gross. Um, behind yeah, them, is, I think this yeah. is a fever, fever dream <laughs> team for sure. Yeah, this is this is a real sweaty end of the season uh, FIFA. I spend my own money to buy cards in FIFA Ultimate Team uh, lineup they've got going here. Um, to get into the defense, we've got the representative from Brighton and Hove Albion, Estu Pinion. I think it's Purvis, Estu Pinion, playing left back, um, chosen above um, revolutionary players this season like Caicedo and other nominees for Brighton and Luke Shaw, other nominees at left back, right? Like not a, and even like Nathan Ake, you could have made an argument if it wasn't uh, Holland and KDB and like four other uh, Manchester City dudes before them. And then James Tarkovsky and, or Tarkovsky and Tiago Silva um, of Everton and Chelsea respectable will, Chelsea respectively will make up the, um, the center back duo before Newcastle's representative, Kieran Trippier, um, maybe controversially chosen over a guy like Bruno Guimaraes, but an absolute shot for best right back in the league this year. Yeah, I think when you look at that back four, Andrew, like, obviously, I think this is the first position group, not to take anything away from these guys, it's the first one where you're like, okay, we're really getting everybody in here. I think, honestly, though, at fullback, like, <laughs> Kieran Trippier, like quite possibly the best right back in the league, as you alluded to, right? Oh, like, yeah. I think, I think, think it's a great shout. Absolutely. I think he's. I think he very much, even if that wasn't the case, he'd have very much a shout at being at the right back starting spot this year. Um, honestly, I think Estupinion would have a shout at left back too. He's yeah, been fantastic. I do for, too, man. He's been fantastic. I, I like him over Shaw. Yeah, yeah. I like him over so, Shaw, and in 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 full uh, transparency here. I had Bruno in the midfield, Bruno Guimaraes. I was ready to fight for him in the midfield. And the second you suggested Trippier, I went, oh, that's just the correct move. I completely, you know what I mean? Like just completely was like, oh, I think it's him here. And then you opened my eyes. I was like, oh, of course, Trippier right back. Like the first move to Newcastle, right? Like the base of this whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I I really think that's a really solid le- center uh right and left back call um to i think the leadership of tiago silva i don't know that you would make him the captain on this team because this is a whole team of captains right but the elder statesman back there from chelsea um the best the chelsea player of the year in a year of people underperforming um at the age of 38 off the top of my head um I think is deserving of this spot. And Tarkowski was really good for Everton and pivotal in keeping them up. Yeah. I think to uh, start with Tiago Silva, as I kind of dissect those, you know, middle two uh, in our back line, uh, look like Chelsea's problem this year wasn't conceding goals, right? Their problem was scoring most of the time. And Tiago Silva, like you, you wonder where this team would have been without him. Like he actually did turn <laughs> a pretty great season. Like, at 38 years old, as you said, um, he had a revolving door as his partner most of the time at center back. I feel like um, of just deciding which yeah, whether guy by injury or anything else, yeah. it was it was tough. So he was really the one of the only stable things amongst that 
football club this year. So I think he's deserving to get in here. And James Tarkovsky, I mean, it's a guy who's kind of fell off the last couple of years, we thought, or we just heard less about him. Because remember, he was really rumbles yeah. to like for him to be in the England squad and stuff England a couple squad, years ago. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I think what we found is that he is the perfect center back for Sean Dyche because he was great when Sean Dyche was at Burnley. Uh, you, that's when all that rumbling was going along. And just under Sean Dyche, he just unlocks something in that system works for James Tarkowski because he, I believe his match rating this year was around a seven. Uh, if it wasn't over it, it was just underneath it. So, I mean, that's a fantastic which season. Is, which is crazy back. for how bad they were almost all year. Right. Right. To bring up the yeah. manager who will not be named anymore on this podcast, he lived through that and really saw the light with Dice here at the end of the year and held that thing together. That's not that's not an insignificant uh, thing, and I think it's a great kind of way to make sure Everton is talked about as the one of the best surviving teams here in our uh, award season. Yeah, certainly, Andrew. And um, those four, they're going to be in front of our man between the sticks, a guy who's had a very eventful a, last a meteoric year. Rise? A meteoric yeah. rise, I'd say, yeah. Um, and look, I, I think that certainly the triumphs that he had in Qatar, <laughs> they definitely led into our voting on this. But he was quite good in the league also this year, Andrew, for Aston Villa, a team that finished seventh. And that's Emmy Martinez between the sticks for our Emmy team. Emmy Martinez. Yeah, no, great, great in the World Cup. Just as good with Villa kind of all season, right? He kind of tailed off a little bit at the end there. Um, But really, like, the same way I kind of brought up Everton is, like, Everton should be talked about their part of the story of this season. Villa's resurgent under Unai Emery is a great story, right? Basically taking the team as intact as is and not changing a bunch of stuff. Just being like, hey, we need to be a little bit better, right? You guys are right there. You're losing a lot of games one to nothing, and you could be winning games two to one. And Martinez was, I think, third in clean sheets this year. And I think um, just a great excuse to to get him on and talk about it. And somebody we know is uh, able to celebrate an accomplishment. The, um, the reports are in. He has already made a crude hand gesture with his team of the season um, award that we have mailed him. Andrew, I actually <laughs> oh well, we were gonna call Emmy up to accept this award, but I actually see him. He's he's already taken it from the stage. He's humping it in the crowd right now. Oh, here comes security. He's being escorted somehow, somehow out in the face of David De Gea, who won the golden uh, oh the, the golden glove. I didn't even and know De Gea was here. I'm I'm sorry about this, David. This is these these scenes are just terrible. You hate to see this, but uh, I actually love it. So, but at the same time, yeah, exactly. You hate to see this, except for we do not. Except for sports are fun and you talk trash. Uh, but I think uh, get into the bench here. I, I think I'll, I'll take the first couple of guys here. Um, the Bournemouth representative and one of my pet shouts of the year. Philip Billing, if you need a super tall midfielder to score more goals than you think he's going to, call my guy Philip Billing at Bournemouth. Um, just, just had a great season. I also think just one of the like elite guys to like just really like hyphenate their name, Phil Bill, just great. I love it. I love just being like, it's oh, it's so hard not to call him Peter, and I don't know why. Is actually always the thing I struggle with. Like, I have in my phone pulled up Philip Billing because I say Peter Billing all the time. Don't know why. 
That is, I, so, I think you just have to, you have to implement the fill bill. Just go all the way fill. I never call him Philip Billing. It's just Phil Bill. Phil Bill. Yeah. yeah. He's, Pete Bill doesn't work he, nearly as well. He, he had a lot, of, like, in the game, when you're watching another game, the story I think of uh, Phil Bill's season here is when you're watching someone else, you're watching your team play whoever, right? And you're surprised Bournemouth is up 1-0 in the fourth minute. Philip Billing scored. You don't have to check and see who it was. It was Philip Billing on like a weirdly crazy, cohesive move from Bournemouth. You're just not quite willing to deal with on an emotional level, um, especially if maybe your team is inept at scoring. Um, so I, I, I just think he had a great season here. Um, the Crystal Palace representative, uh, so Joaquin Anderson, am I saying that? My first first name always messes with me too. This is not Hello, apparently Joaquin. the team for me to uh, um, but really solid defender for them. Um, I think you're also could have been a shout here for Mark Gahey. Crystal Palace has, you know, you always talk about Wolf Zaha. You always talk about Eze and their attack, but really kind of the, it's it like, it's a tough team because they're all deserving of like a bench spot. Like they're all deserving of this exact award of part of the team of the season, but not the star of the team of the season. And I think he's, uh, he's a great shout there. Yeah, I think that he like Palace. Um, not the sexiest team all the time, but uh, they grind out results, and I think he's a huge part of that. Is he's just a steady, consistent force there at the back. And if you're telling me he's our, yeah, if he's if you if look he's up our stalwart, he's right there next. To him and James Tarkovsky are just smiling back at you in the dictionary of what a stalwart defender is. It's those two yeah. guys just hanging out. Yeah, so to have him off the bench on this team, I, I'd be super happy to have him as our third or fourth center back on our team. So by by all means, I think he's deserving. Absolutely. Um, you want to take the next couple here? Yeah, I, I'd love to take the next one, Andrew, because this is a guy that's near and dear to our hearts. Um, oh, it was a tough year him. for Leeds United. Uh, they were just leaking goals all season and not scoring enough of them, but... Look, that got substantially worse after Tyler Tyler Adams went down with an injury. So I think he has to be the pick for Leeds United. Uh, all by all American bias aside, he was no, fantastic. Great, great season for them. Yeah, him him going down with injury highlighted how messy this all is for them. Right, once like the last man holding all the ropes. It's like I think of it as like Spider Man when he's holding like four different cars. And if you just got rid of Spider-Man, all these cars would fall off the bridge. And once you did that, um, I think really the only other shout I would even think of from that team is like William Natto. And that's mostly just based on when he did play. I loved him and he looked great in the attack. But I don't think he kind of had the whole season that Adams did um, in kind of a brutal, brutal injury, brutal injury timing for Leeds there. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's even a stretch, Andrew, to say that I, it's quite possible his injury relegated them. Like they might pick up three or four more points if he's not hurt for the last third of the season, essentially. Right. So, yeah, if he's yeah. our if he's our backup pivot at the base of our midfield. Uh, I'm a happy, happy man. So, very happy to see an American in there too. Uh, from Wolves, we go to Wolverhampton now, and. Jose Saw between the sticks or on the bench backing up between the sticks behind Emmy Martinez should he go down. 
just a solid goalkeeper back there. Andrew uh, had a solid season. I, he was up there in clean sheets, makes a bunch of saves mm-hmm. for a Wolves team that can be a bit suspect at times defensively. So quite happy to have the Portuguese man as our backup option between the post for us. Yeah, no, I, I think he had a really good season, especially after uh, they made that managerial change about halfway through the season. Wolves were one of kind of the early adopters of fire your manager and make things better here. And I think he really kind of picked it up and earned that in the second half of the season. Happy to have him on the bench. Absolutely, Andrew. And um, just I'll go through one more and then throw it back over to you. This guy's a podcast favorite of us. Um, Going down. God, I hope he finds a move to somewhere else in the Premier League because I love watching this guy play. James Ward-Prowse, the only... The only real brights, I, I I shouldn't say that. There were young guys who had, you know, promising seasons, but the only guy that consistently bought it week in and week out for the Southampton teams was James Ward-Prowse. Uh, had to be their representative. His free kicks, free kick, the golf celebration. Just, <laughs> it's all great. I love it. I need it in the Premier League. I need them to figure out a way for him to stay up here. But um, yeah, super I, happy I'd happy. Hate, I'd hate to see him on a team that, like, doesn't need him in a way right like uh i think he's best on a team where it's like like i I it wouldn't be weird to see him like take a free kick and not have the entire game in the balance and the hopes of their relegation because basically every free kick or penalty he's taken for the last like three years has been like all right if james doesn't put this in there there's no chance they don't get relegated and finally it was not in the cards for them they ended on such a high note this season too with like a crazy win and a fun game and yeah, James, we'll miss you, buddy. We need you back up with somebody. We need we need somebody to find you a home. We I would like home. to start a petition now. Let's just get James Ward Prowse to Luton Town. Oh, like on like a like a six million dollar deal or something, just like crazy Perfect. cheap, and other teams are mad about it. Like I, I would like even if it was like a loan move, right? Yeah. If Luton's just like keeping it cheap, right? Like I'd love to see him wearing orange and having an entire town's relegation hopes on there. On his shoulders. I would love it, yeah. In this team, he weirdly absolutely plays in the 85th minute. Also, I was looking at it for our team of the season. He's absolutely coming in late if there's any shot of penalties or if it's just like, you know, there's not a lot of people who could take a ball off of Odegaard, Kane, or Rashford if they're taking a free kick, but we got one on the bench. JWP, I would take over all those guys to take a free kick, uh, which is crazy to say because those guys are incredible. Um Moving on, we've got four more to get through. We've got our most surprising bench option, just because here we are, and he's on the bench, and it's Mohamed Salah. Um, A very good season from Mo Salah. Um, Kind of up and down. We've we've talked about Liverpool, right? They were in our category for biggest flop of the year. Um, Salah was not the same without his running mate of Mane, and that whole attack is kind of trans forming but at the end of the season you look up who's got a bunch of goals who's playing pretty well Mo Salah does it again had a good solid year um any thoughts on on Mo before we get to the last couple here yeah Andrew just that um look this is not a slight at Liverpool I'm sure some of their supporters are listening to this and like you don't even get a Liverpool player in the starting lineup like that's that's simply just because I I think it had to be Mo Salah for Liverpool and we couldn't in yeah. good faith put him ahead of the guys who put in the attack. Well, um, it's, yeah, and it's like, do you want me to put Trent in for Trippier? Because that was the only other option I even considered. Right. And 
I did not consider that option. Right. I'm, and I'm kind of the first one to shit on that a little bit. And honestly, to speak on like, it felt like a down season for Salah, right? I mean, he, the guy had 19 goals and 12 assists, 31 goal contributions in yeah. a down season. That's, if Chelsea that's could have amazing. three guys with down seasons like that, uh, I think we'd take it and we'd call them career highs, right? Um, yes. So, no, but fantastic really season, season player. We'll be super happy to bring him off the bench. Like Rashford gets a little tired and you bring in Mo Salah. Like that's even more terrifying of the, the like I've on the other team. You want a left footer out there? You yeah. just want a left footer cutting in? Like, oh, okay, Mo Salah, you're tired? Here's Mo Salah in the 64th minute. Like, good luck. A guy, getting over to our next one here, Ethan Pinnock um, from Brentford. A guy who I think before we kind of talked about it, it was easy to say uh, Ivan Tony from Brentford. Maybe maybe David Raya as a backup key- keeper. Or uh, Brian Embueno, I think Embuemo was really good this season, but... Ethan Pinnock really held it down at the back for them, a force in the air. Um, and I, I just think one of their best players. I, I really do think he had a great season for for Brentford. Yeah, Andrew. Um, obviously, defense is a little less sexy than guys in the attack. Ivan Tony deserves to be here, but we were able to find some good strikers off some other I teams. I don't want him to bet against us, it yeah. seems like. <laughs> It's, it's a little it. bit in bad taste. Like if Brian and Buemo should maybe be mad at us, but we went with Pinnock. Well, see, and the story with uh, Tony also was that he would bet against his team when he was not starting. So I, if we're putting him on the bench, there's no way he's cracking into that attack, unfortunately, for him. So yeah, that's just bad juju, bad for the whole morale of the team, we thought. So we go with Pinnock, but he's deserving in and of himself. Great season uh, at the center of that defense for Brentford really key part into them finishing top half of the table. So very happy to have him. Like I said, the same thing with Anderson, where I was very happy to have him as our third or fourth uh, defender. Very happy to have Pinnock oh, yeah. in that group as well. Yeah. And then uh, my guy from Forest, Taiwa Iwanini, six goals, last four games, the hero of keeping Nottingham Forest up, absolutely deserves a spot on the bench here. It was a contested spot from Forest. We had to do some last minute shuffling as I, had to stand on the table for my guy. Yeah, I think there's uh, Forrest is one of those teams. They kind of had a handful of guys we could have thrown in here. Like, you know, Gibbs White was quite good. Um, Brendan Johnson earlier Brendan in the Johnson. season fell off a little bit. Yeah. Um, Taylor Navas. Taylor Navas <laughs> As a 90-year-old Costa Rican man, <laughs> might make the team of the season. But him and Tiago Silva just talking about like before they had electric cars and you know electricity in the house and that kind of shit, just hanging out on the back line doing old guy talk. <laughs> Both are sitting out training for sure, one hundred percent. But um, honestly though, I, I'm happy to get Awanini in there. Um, something a little different, like a big burly kind of more old timey striker too. Something different off the bench if we're like down late mm. in the game. So. Happy to get him in there. He's obviously shown. He's got a little bit of clutch gene. He's obviously shown with his performance down the stretch here. So, yeah, happy to get him in there on the bench. And finally, bringing our squad to a close here, just a little bit of class in a utterly classless kind of team and season for Leicester this year. But James Madison, we do have kind of limping onto this team here as a representative of really who else would we even ask for from Leicester? Um, but yeah, James Madison there 
could see some time. You know, like it's one of these, if you're looking at this as an actual soccer team, if like Odegaard's really tired for some reason, the most natural sub we'd bring in would be James Madison right into that spot and keep the shape and everything else. Right. I mean, um, look for him to have a weirdly either um, expensive or disappointingly cheap sale to a team you don't like this summer. Watch out for James Madison coming to a town near your team, but not to your team. Yeah. Um, James Madison of Leicester for now, for this season he was at least. But yeah, you, you got to imagine he's moving on. He's just, I think, too good for the championship. He's got to be at that Premier League level. Will be interesting to see where he ends up. But uh, yeah, I'm just, just to echo what you said, I think he's a great attacking mid replacement for like an Odegaard or something. Or if you like late in the game, you're down, you want to take off Rice or Polina and put in another attacking mid. Like I think he really rounds out the squad beautifully for us. And I think that um, I think we're going invincible with this squad, Andrew. I think we're doing the treble. Um, Maybe the quadruple even, maybe we'll rest enough guys from like a Carabao cup. game. If there's some sort of Monstars situation, right. Where we have to battle for the fate of the galaxy. I'd feel pretty good about it. Um, with this team um i as you were talking about madison i was like i'm weirdly really into a midfield three of uh tyler adams james madison and james warren prowse (laughs) i think that team would be actually gross um which just shows you like the quality of this league man and what a fun season it's been um but yeah that that wraps up our our team of the season um not a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of snubs based on only one from each team can get into, um, one player from each team can get into this season, but I'm really happy with the group we've selected there. Yeah. I can mean, I think we'd be saying I'll put them in the FIFA career mode soon. <laughs> so <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. I think honestly, um, look, when we restricted ourselves to one per team, I think we got a spot on, man. I think we nailed this. Um, but we'd love to hear if you think that we snub somebody and we messed something up. Uh, please hit us up on Twitter or uh, social media and just let us know. Like right. at Fish Fries Pod, tell us we're idiots. Tell us we nailed it. Any of that stuff. But um, that wraps up our award show. And you're the first annual Fish and Fries Ooh. award show. I, yeah. I think that the the crowd seems happy. They they seemed entertained. Uh, outside of the incident of Emmy Martinez making sexual gestures and David De Gea's face, we went. This went off pretty yeah. event free. Like this was this was a yeah. good success, I think. Absolutely, Tiago Silva pulled him aside, talked to him like a captain. We're gonna have a little bit of class here. Um, honestly, the other thing I noticed about this group here is they are ready for the after party. They are ready to get after it, except for Pep and Holland, who have already sequestered themselves in a hotel room. Um, while Holland whispers gently into Pep's ear, "Please don't tinker. Just roll. Just do it. Just roll the ball out, Pep. Just do it." <laughs> It'll be fine. Don't do something weird. Don't please do something no weird. Please, please don't tinker. Just put John yeah. Stones as that weird CDM center back role and let Kyle's, Kyle run in a straight line. Don't make him do anything else. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's, we have time to start, it's not the time to start Cole Palmer. Don't start Cole Palmer. Don't even bring him if you're tempted. If you're tempted, leave him at home. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hope for, uh, no pep brain this weekend, but, but before we kind of look ahead, let's uh, really quickly circle back as we round out the podcast really quick. I do want to touch on the FA Cup that City won over the weekend where we did not see pep brain. Uh, pep just rolled out what he's been rolling out and it clicked 12 seconds in. <laughs> <It's been laughs> just hits an absolute okay, worldie. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, Gondo, I texted you the other day. Maybe the best sports player in the month of May and June in the world at this point. You said Michael Jordan. I guess that's a good shout. He was pretty good in May and June as well. But um, <laughs> Gondo was putting but better a, a hell of a highlight reel. <laughs> short, man. No, crazy. A, a good game. Um, I famously, after you, like, because I, the scoring was too quick for me to actually have it on, right? You texted me like goal. I was like, oh, nice. I said, well, this thing's over. If you guys are scoring in 12 seconds, by the time I got the TV actually on to what I was watching, it was 1-1. I was like, oh, I feel like a jerk. My bad. I, I laid off the rest of that game for you. I was like, oh, I, I immediately jinxed Spencer. Um, but Yeah, you know, I didn't no love worries. it. City is- so, and I knew it was not loved, and I, I respected it and backed off. And I was like, one of these things, like an apology wouldn't help. He doesn't want a third text about this thing that happened, but um, City handled business. City got it done. Yeah, and um, that goal for United in this game, it was a. Uh, we don't have to get super into it. It ended up being in consequential. No, I think a very yeah. strange. Like it's a handball. I think it is a handball by the rule. Just like one of those super. Uh, well, I don't know what Jack Reelish is supposed to do. He's jumping his arm. Like, you don't jump with, like, your arms to your side like a penguin with their wings or something. <laughs> We're human <laughs> beings. We don't aerodynamically work that way. So I don't know exactly what he's supposed to do. But uh, fine. Uh, that's It's a handball by the letter of the law. Bruno uh, Fernandez converts it. Makes it 1-1. Gets a little tense. But the the man himself, Ilke Gundogan, with another one from the edge of the box... In the one was a worldy. One was a goal. The second one was a goal. <laughs> yeah, not, not, I, I, not quite the worldy of uh, of the first one. Yeah, I would. I definitely wouldn't give that one worldy status. But De Gea has caught a lot of flack for it. I, I think that it was more difficult because he was very screened on it, and it just kind of perfectly short hopped right over. I, I believe it was. Uh, Varane's leg and just he shielded the ball until it was kind of really right on top of De Gea. The optics weren't great. It looked like he was moving like he was like his feet were in molasses. But I think if you looked at the reverse angle, it made a little more sense from like behind the net. But nonetheless, that goal stood up two one city. They get two thirds of the way to the treble looking for the last one this week. And Andrew, um, do you have any other big thoughts on this game itself? No, just laughing at like that. This is the David De Gea experience. He both wins the golden gloves and you're frustrated by it. Right. That's been United song and dance for years because to every, to every non man United fan, you're like, Oh, the guy with the most clean sheets and saves this season. Yeah. Who'd want that guy. But like, he really does have some troubles in big games and that kind of thing. Like I just always think like, this is the, this game was the actual David De Gea experience. Get beat by a worldie. No chance. And then there's one that kind of trickles in and it looks bad. And now people are mad at you again. Right. Um, But yeah, no, congrats to them. Only other thing I want to touch on is yesterday's today's yesterday's result of West Ham beating uh, um, Fiorentina in the Europa Conference League. We touched on it just for a minute earlier, but a beautiful 90th minute game winner from Paqueta to Jared Bowen breaking the back line. Um, finished and they are having themselves a time celebrating this david moyes joked about not wanting to go full Mourinho on the celebration but he did sprint down the entire sidelines he refrained from the knee slide because he's like i don't have the knees for that anymore which is a very funny thing for an old dude to say but 
Um, in a season where I hated West Ham and David Moyes, I'm going to give them their props on their final day. Good performance, tough performance. Um, don't take a discount on Declan Rice. Yeah, and um, you got you got the, Europa League, you got Europa League next year, West Ham. Just hang on to him, buddy. Chelsea will come in over the top with 200 mil for you next year. Just be patient. Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, <laughs> The pictures, look, I saw a picture of David Moyes looking like maybe the drunkest like 60-year-old I've ever seen in my life in the streets of Prague, uh, which is awesome. Where, where you're almost a little worried. You're almost like, oh, is he – someone knows where he is, right? We're not <laughs> We're not super <laughs> – You know, like when you see like a picture of like yourself or something, you're like really messed up. Someone took a picture of you the night and they have, you, like, you got like the, the glazed over eyes. Like you can just tell by the eyes when somebody's really messed up. His eyes were just like – like Krispy Kreme donut status glazed over. Oh. Like you're like, oh, like he's looking right through you. Like he has no, like he, he sees a sign. It's in he's check. Either seeing, he's, like, he's either seeing all of reality or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like fluent in check because he's just drinking and he's been at check bars all night and stuff like that level drunk. But hey, um, right. I, I did think it was also awesome. he shits himself or defeats a grandmaster in chess. That level of drunk. <laughs> But I did think it was awesome, like the scenes as they got back to London today, like the fans lining the streets and they're parading around with the trophy. Um, kind of, we make fun of the Conference League a lot, but for I, I don't want to use the word smaller as like a demeaning term, but for the teams that aren't always winning trophies, right? Because the trophies in this sport are so monopolized amongst the top clubs. This tournament is cool for them, right? Like a team like West Ham to yeah. bring home a trophy that they yeah, can it, parade it, around it in their town. Yeah. It, 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 it meant a lot. And that's where it's like, you know, for Spurs winning that trophy, if Spurs had won that trophy first, right, they'd be ridiculed for it, right? For West Ham, it's beautiful, right? It's a lot of fun, man. And it's kind of like what soccer's about is they've, you know, was it their biggest thing since like fighting off a relegation battle or, you know, like weirdly West Ham had a horrible season, but has multiple things to hang their head on. So, yeah. Good on them uh, as the number one shitting on West Ham pe- person on this podcast and maybe every other. I'm going to absolutely give them the, their flowers today. Yeah, and from that, we can look ahead to another European final, uh, the Champions League final this weekend. We've, we've kind of spoke on this before, Andrew, so we don't have to go super in-depth, but anything you're really watching for this weekend is City and Inter get together an Istanbul for the uh, the big kahuna of them all for European trophies. Yeah, I, I'm looking for for um, AC Milan to try to keep it under a touchdown here, um, just as we have the blind opposite of there's no way Pep could mess this up. Um, you have the best player in the world. You have the other best player in the world. Um, this one's over. Well, AC Milan should have no problem holding it under a touchdown because they are on the beach. Oh, whatever. Same thing. I don't even know who you're playing. That's how bad. That's how. That's how done this is. Is I said the wrong team. Uh, shout out to uh, Peter Billing. Uh, <laughs> we've been doing these short, quick pods. My brain's now fried at an hour forty-five. <laughs> this hosting an award show takes a lot out of you, man. I understand. It does. There's a lot of a lot of pressure lot going on. All these people yeah, here. The academy did a great. The academy did a great job, and I'm letting them down here with my own. Shout out the academy. It's crazy. Shout out the Academy. Well, um, but no, I I uh, I joke. Um, I really do hope it'll be a good game. I weirdly am like rooting for Lukaku to score and do well. Um, 
and not even like as a Chelsea backhanded thing. Like I kind of just want that dude to have a good moment on a national stage. Cause the last time he was on a national international stage was uh, that Belgium game where he was so bad. Um, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I kind of just don't want him to go out like that. Um, and I, I just, I hope we get a good game, right? As a neutral, I'm hoping for a competitive match. Yeah, certainly as a neutral, I can see that. I, I myself am completely Im, impartial in this. Um, so I can say that I, you know, without any bias, I'm just hoping for a 8 nothing city shit-kicking that everybody turns off in like the 28th minute besides me to watch the celebration. So... Um, I, I, you know what, for, uh, for Lukaku on a human level, I I'm with you. I hope he doesn't have like an absolute shocker. Like he did. I hope he has the yeah. most, the most benign 72 minute appearance he's ever had. You just, he touches the ball like four times. Cause Inter can't get the ball. That sounds amazing to me. And it's not really on him. It's just like city were too good yeah. and nobody no, talks. No, about sh- him, no shots of him holding a very sweaty bald head. None of them. Yeah. Because that those those are he puts it over the bar and it's just immediately a camera on him as he's covering his entire face. Yeah, I'm thinking more just like a just lots of shots of him just like sitting at the halfway line with his hands on his hips waiting for the ball and I uh, I think that'd be a great day like like seven touches only like three in the opposition half I think I I'd be very happy for Lukaku to just have the most inconspicuous game ever. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it seems unbiased. That's what I was thinking. Um. Yeah, uh, do you have a prediction on the scoreline, Spencer, just to make it a little bit uh, interesting between the two of us? No, I don't like any bad juju. I, I'm abstaining from this practice. I have no predictions. You may give a prediction, but I I, I have had too much riding Nine, on this, Andrew. Great. Nine nothing City and whoever that Italian team is they're playing. There's no chance they lose this. Kyle Walker, hat trick. Pep Guardiola, he'll tinker just for fun. He might play the second half. Who knows? It's going to be over. It's going to be done. There's no chance yeah. anything bad happens. Erling Holland, player of the year, player of the universe, player of the century. He might win a player of the century Sunday just because he'll be done winning things on Saturday. Like, it's going to be a destruction. Um, don't even, like, record the game because it's not worth it. If you can't watch it live, it'll be over in about eight minutes. If they haven't scored by 12 seconds, it's a disappointment and their worst uh, performance in a cup final this year. That is actually true. If you have you have 11 seconds to score or you're already underperforming, does that help? Is that is these are helpful for your nerves? Andrew, I, I love everything you're saying and God, I hope you're right. I just, I look, I've been burned before, man. I've been burned in this competition. I am, I, I'm on the record of saying City will never win the Champions League and until they do it, I'm just, I'm abstaining from any of this, so. I thank you for bringing that energy. I, my, yeah, I will my, still be a nervous actual, wreck on Saturday. No, I, I and I will for I'm stuck between wanting my friend to do well and wanting what's best for this podcast and wanting whatever gets you invested in the league next year. As you were blase about the entire uh, run of City running down Arsenal, overcoming them, winning the league by you know having the league sewn up with two leagues left, all like mm, yep that was fine. We just have these two other finals and then the like. Your whole season as a success is on the line on Saturday, which is crazy because you already beat through the hardest part of it. Now you just have to beat one of these Italian teams. I don't even know who it is. 
<laughs> that should be fine. There's no problem there. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Like all things, all this worriness aside, I am excited for it. I, I'm like really hopeful. I am optimistic, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But we're, we're running out of time here, my friend, and we got to get to a couple transfers really quick. Uh, we're not going to go into full yeah. on silly season mode yet, but there's like at least two we have to talk about. Um, yeah. Let's start. Think, let's start. Messy? I was gonna say messy. Yeah, I think is the. Best. I was gonna say let's start in our backyard, kind. I mean, Florida. We don't necessarily claim that as part of America, <laughs> I think, I think but the, if we're ranking the top three transfer, the top four transfers right now, it's messy to Inter Miami number one, uh, the Saudis own Golf number two, uh, the Saudis own Kareem Benzema number three, and the Saudis own N'Golo Kante number four. So I do think those are the four biggest moves of the transfer season so far, but. Um, I'm really excited for Messi to be in the Premier League, or I'm sorry, the MLS. One, um, it really just puts a lot of stress on the podcasting community um, with him being such a large part of Spotify at Barcelona, and now he's going to have a like revenue-sharing deal with Apple. Do you think it's going to cause problems? Uh, like, you know, is he ever going to work for, like, um, oh, what's the other podcast when we want like will he do something with google just to even it out right just to make sure if you're like a weirdo using the google play store you also get your messy money what do we think yeah you might have to even it out like just go (laughs) play for google (laughs) fc or something at some point i don't know maybe they own a team in like the korean google's gonna get into vr and just messy's gonna be like and i'm your guy for vr like what (laughs) But yeah, like joking aside, it is awesome to have an MLS. Like it gives me, I I think there is a chance uh, his first game may be in St. Louis, which I will try to potentially go to if that's the case, if his paperwork's done in time. Tickets are already like $500, man. Yeah, they're crazy. For every every Inter-Miami game the rest of the season, whether they think he's playing or not. Yeah, they're crazy. I saw, I, I've heard that on multiple things this year. So yeah, they they uh, they're definitely. I don't know steep. what Patreon you want to start, but oof. yeah. So be... you know, please uh, subscribe, like, do all that, so we can get Spencer, <laughs> a live reporter, to watch Messi. Um, but seriously, it is fun to have him here. Like, this is going to bring a lot more eyes onto the MLS, which is just good for the league, especially with how they've struggled with the whole. Apple debacle of broadcasting. So this gets eyes in the league and you know, is we belittle the MLS a lot on this podcast, but having a strong domestic league is just good for us soccer as a whole. So yeah, I'm pumped about this, Andrew. And this isn't, you know, Messi is older. He's in the twilight of his career. Sure. But he's, he's not one of these like Frank Lampards or like he's still like Beckham. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh it's like it's Zlatan but better. Right. When Zlatan came here, it's like Zlatan can still play. Right. Zlatan's still gonna score a bunch of goals. Messi is legitimately maybe the greatest soccer player ever and still has game. Right. This isn't a I mean it's a retirement tour and he's taking the bag, right? But it's not a swan song, right? It may end up being that way, but on paper, it's not a like fade into the distance, I guess David Beckham plays here type of thing, you know, where maybe he hits a free kick twice and you get excited. He's one of the best players in the world, and they just won the World Cup. He's coming, not home, but he's coming home to us, and I I love it. 
Yeah, it's going to be real exciting to watch him. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I'm very upset that I'm not going to be able to watch Kareem Benzema anymore because he's going to Saudi Arabia, Andrew. Yeah, he's, he's going to Saudi Arabia. Um, also, N'Golo Kante has accepted a deal to go to Saudi Saudi Arabia. There's talks, I believe, that are going to be on the same team. Um, and it's just kind of the start of this, right? And the Saudis are kind of grabbing all the best players out of contract, all the older ones who are established stars, and they're really trying to make a push to have a a league people care about, right? Um I don't it's think it's working. quite at that level yet. No, well, I mean, right, but it never works in the beginning. It's easy to go like, oh, they, I already wasn't watching Kareem Benzema play every week, right? I haven't watched N'Golo Kante play 90 minutes of soccer, and I can't tell you how long, right? I, I kind of, like, outside of the odd, you know, highlight goal, it's not like we were watching every Ronaldo thing after he went over there, but now it's like, oh, there's – like three guys I'd like to watch play soccer and they happen to be in that league. And if they can kind of get to a big four, which I think is what some people are kind of predicting, right? If they can get to a big four teams, then they can start playing in like the like the world, the champions league team. What am I trying to say? The uh, global champions league, mm. the club world cup. Sorry. Um, one of Chelsea's illustrious trophies. How could I forget um, the club world cup and that kind of thing and being more of a international force. Yeah. I will say that they got me to the level of next year on FIFA career mode. I'll have to send a scout once in a while to Saudi Arabia just to see what's up, but that's about my level of caring. It's true. It's true. Um, and then sometimes that happens anyways. Sometimes yeah. you're just like, Hey, who's in Australia? Anybody? No. All right. And your scout comes back like two weeks later and he's like, nothing in this country. And you're like, yeah, of course not. But your yeah, scout comes sucks. back so fast. You're like, did you, did you even look or you just assume? He's like, I just assumed. It's like, okay, cool. We're not missing anything. But yeah, it, it sucks though. I, I, I like watching Benzema. I think he's still really at the, you know, peak yeah. of his powers and um, see him go sucks. Conte as well. One more transfers to touch on as we're running out of time here is, uh, you alluded to it earlier, the Alexis McAllister to Liverpool um, for, I think, $35 million. The thing that irritates me about that, Andrew, is not that Liverpool is getting a really good midfielder. It's that they got him at a cheap rate so they can still yep. maintain this thing of they're like this club that doesn't spend any money, even though they spend a shitload of money. Well, but they, when, they, when they lose, they can be like, oh, we don't spend money like Chelsea or City or no. Newcastle. Well, they're still saving up for Bellingham, right? Oh, they're not going to get him because they're cheap? Of course. I love I love that Bellingham is going to Madrid and he's like not even considering Liverpool because that was such an annoying narrative. And you know this, right? We were so annoyed by that narrative of like, he'll take a discount. He'll come here because he wants to be here. It's like, no, this is professional sports. You have to pony up and pay money like everybody else too. And that's what's annoying about this Alexis McAllister thing is Chelsea is going to have to pay $90 million for Caicedo. I can already see it now. And that's if he wants to come here, right? Whereas McAllister is like, Hey, do you need us to drive him to the airport? Thirty million's fine. Whatever you kind of got laying around, don't worry about it. Liverpool, you poor club. When everyone, half the people in America who are wearing soccer jerseys are wearing most solid jerseys, so I don't want to hear it. Like, come on, man, stop crying poor. It doesn't. It yeah. wasn't cute when the Chicago Cubs did it after winning a World Series. It's not cute when the Yankees don't want to resign someone, right? Like, you have the money, spend it on people. Nice job on Cody Gakpo. Go spend some money. 
Yeah, I just I hate that that narrative will stay alive, but nonetheless, um, I can't wait for James Milner to outperform him with Brighton next year. Like that (laughs) might be the greatest thing that's ever happened. If it's like goal contributions in like January, I can already see myself just like sending you a tweet. Somebody tweets that, and I'm going to send it to you. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah, um, but that sucks. But I mean, we'll be in full on silly season here soon. Last big game of the season this Saturday. Looking forward to it. We'll be back next week to talk about it, break it down, any other silly season stuff that happens. But um, busting down a two-hour pod for the first time in a while, my friends. So I think it's time to get out of here, let the people hear the awards. And um, you know, like I said, at Fish Fries Pod on Twitter, let us know what we got wrong, uh, why we're stupid, why we're smart, whatever. Give the podcast a follow, <laughs> uh, like, ratings, reviews. All that really helps us out. But um Until then, I think we're good until next week, and I will sweat out this weekend, and we'll react to the carnage. uh, I was about to say, like, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how good we are next week, the both of us. Our mental health and season uh, riding here on uh, Saturday by about four o'clock should be resolved. But uh, until next time, buddy, I'll see you. All right, take care.